You cannot do this in your own strength. And I need to make that clear. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to do this because in our natural flesh, it's like, what? I'm supposed to willingly forgive somebody who I have a justified complaint against? Yes, we are, but not in our own strength. So we have to we have to understand and be uh, surrendered and submissive to the power of the Holy Spirit, leaning, dwelling, calling on Him to help us to live this out. But like I said, it has to be your want to. You have to make a decision in your mind that I want to willingly forgive. I want to be able to withstand any injustice that comes my way. Why? Why would you want to do that? Because I want to live like Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to walk in victory. You got to know who you are. You got to know what God says about you. And don't you let anybody tell you otherwise. You stand on the word of God. Word of God. The biggest point that I want to leave for you today is the bottom line of how to forgive, really. We'll be talking about this this week and next week, is relationship. Um, having a relationship with God. And so, and, and I believe that starts with the I want to. So forgiveness starts with an I want to. And it also starts with the I don't want to. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Forgiveness starts with the I want to. The first I want to that you have to have in your soul, in your mind, making up in your mind that I want to know him. And the first scripture I have for that is 1 John 3 and verse 6. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. So live in God, live in Christ. Um, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So in order for you to, to walk in forgiveness, you have to have that I want to know him in your spirit. I want to know him. I don't want to continue to sin. I don't want to continue to go up against the rules and the precepts and the commandments of God. You know, the Bible says that if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. So in order, and I think I, that was actually one of the ones I kind of skipped ahead. One, uh, I want to love God, but we are to keep his commandments. And it says anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him. So in order for us to know him, we have to decide, repent. Remember, that's what Jesus walked in, the, the ministry of repentance. We have, to, we have to repent, turn away from our sins so that we can know God. Turning away from our sin now puts us in receiving Jesus, now puts us in right relationship with him. And that's how we get to know him. So your first, I want to, is I want to know him. The second, uh, the second I want to for forgiveness is I want to belong to God. I want to belong to him. And that is going to, we're going to go down a little bit. First John three and 10. And it says, so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. 
anyone who does not live righteously and does not love others, other believers does not belong to God. So in order for us to belong to God, we have to love other believers and we have to live righteously. So how does this pertain to forgiveness? Well, in order for us to forgive each other, we have to love each other. We have to have love. We have to have the love of God in us. And so we have to want to belong to God. And that requires us to forgive. It requires us. And even like I said, that I want to know him. In order for us to know him, we have to forgive. Unforgiveness keeps us separated from God. It's a sin. It's not, he, I mean, he walked in forgiveness and that was, Christ walked in forgiveness and God forgave us, uh, forgave us of our sin because of love. So in order for us to know him, in order for us to belong to God, we too have to walk in love. We have to forgive. Okay. So I want to know him. I want to belong to him. And another I want to in forgiveness is I want to be forgiven. And we already know that we are forgiven, but I want us to look at Matthew 6. Um, let me change this to Amplified here. Matthew 6. And we're going to start at, we're going to go to verse 14. It says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So you have to want to be forgiven. And in order to want to be forgiven, in order to be forgiven, we have to forgive. We have to forgive those of their reckless and willful sins. So they're going to do things that are reckless and they're going to do things that they, you know, choose to do willful they're choosing to sin but we have to forgive them because there have been times in our lives that we too have chosen to sin even though we know it's wrong holding on to things when we know god don't want us to hold on to them because of what it does to us we're willfully sinning but it says that uh, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So I want to be forgiven. So I'm going to forgive. That's my I want to. I want to be forgiven. So I will forgive. All right. Um, another I want to, as it pertains to forgiveness, is I want to willingly forgive. I want to willingly. So I want to be forgiven, right? Your heavenly father will also forgive you if you forgive, but I want to willingly forgive. Let's look at what the Bible says about that. We're going to go to Colossians 3 and start at verse 12. And I'm going to read this out of the NLT. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, listen, clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
So that willingness to forgive. I want to read this also out of the Amplified. Um, okay, it says, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose and well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. So again, 13, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. So if someone has done something to you, done something towards you, said something towards you, an action that has hurt you, something that you can complain about, you are supposed to willingly forgive them. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. And then it says in verse 14, beyond all these things, put on, and I love this, wrap yourself in unselfish love, which we talked about last month, which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. So, oh my goodness. Now, here we go. I got to put this out here. I do it every time. You cannot do this in your own strength. And I need to make that clear. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to do this because in our natural flesh, it's like, what? I'm supposed to willingly forgive somebody who I have a justified complaint against? Yes, we are, but not in our own strength. So we have to, we have to understand and be uh, surrendered and submissive to the power of the Holy Spirit, leaning, dwelling, calling on him to help us to live this out. But like I said, it has to be your want to. You have to make a decision in your mind that I want to willingly forgive. I want to be able to withstand any injustice that comes my way. Why? Why would you want to do that? Because I want to live like Christ. I want to be his disciple. I want to please my father. I want to be a good ambassador for Christ, good Christ representer. That's what I want to be. That should be our why, because we want to really truly love God. In order for us to do that, we have to keep his commandments. And so, but having that decision, and that's why I said, this is how to forgive part one, because it really is about you making a choice just having that desire. There's a lot of things um, in life that we may not be there yet, but that want to, I want to do that, that tenacity, that relentlessness, that I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to get this done. You know, our minds, God created us with a lot of power in our mind. You know, when we set our mind on something, we can truly do it. So if you set your mind on, I want 
to willingly forgive. I want to be forgiven. I want to belong to God. I want to please my father. I want to look like Christ. I want love to God. I want God's love to flow through me. When we have that, I want to, oh, there is power in that thing because now we are making a decision and God is going to meet us there because it lines up with his will. It's in his word. It's in his word. We are now in alignment. We are in an agreement. And now we can ask or whatever we ask for, we will receive. I feel like I'm getting ahead, but it is, I believe this thing. And so I really wanted to, to dig into the I want to's. What's in our hearts? What's in our soul? Do we really want to do this? And like I said, if, if you're not here, if you're not ready to let go of certain things, then maybe this Bible study isn't for you, even though I encourage you to still listen because seeds are being planted, you know, but I really believe that those of us who want to walk in the way and the precepts and the commands of God, we can do it. We can do it. Okay. So my next, I want to, that I want us to look at um, in forgiveness is I want to overcome unforgiveness. So this is, um, this is really good. We're going to go to Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10 in the Amplified says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the spirit, and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. And pray for me that words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains, 
and pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. All right. So this is good. There's so much in here. I'm only going to focus on our want to overcome forgiveness. But listen, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I remember just learning about God at an early age. And this scripture, I actually had it on my wall as a little girl. And um, I love it. But so how does this help our want to as it pertains to overcoming forgiveness? There's so much. Okay, the first thing is verse 10, where it says, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. That is so important. When you are unified with God, you can draw your strength from God and he will empower you because you are in union with him. Okay. And that union is love, loving him, abiding in him, having relationship with him. Remember we talked about um, the, the, how to forgive is having a relationship with God really and having these I want to's. So being, um, being with him, abiding with him as he empowers you to strengthen you because you need strength to overcome forgiveness because your flesh is feeling, dealing with the emotions and replaying the thoughts in your mind, the hurts in your mind. So you need a supernatural strength. Okay. So I love that. Then but I really want us to draw in on is I want to go to, oh, so verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with the physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly supernatural places. So what is it saying? We're not supposed to be fighting against each other. There is something going on in the spiritual realm, in the supernatural realm. So when the hurts and the, the arrows, it talked about the arrows, when the enemy's plan, his plan is to attack you. His plan is to steal, to kill and destroy you, steal your joy, steal your love, steal your peace, steal your mind. That's his job. Then he wants to destroy your identity, destroy your faith, destroy your relationship with God. And he wants to kill you so that you can't walk in your purpose. And so we have to understand that when his arrows try to come to us, that is not the person, but it's a spirit. And if we can identify the spirit and not go against the person, now we're aiming and, and, and going up against who we should be going up against, not each other. We're supposed to love one each other. So in order to overcome forgiveness, you have to have that perspective. The Bible talks about think on things above. You have to look above the circumstance. Okay, what, what's going on here? Why is she acting like this? You know, and you can ask God, Lord, give me your perspective, but know that there's a spirit. Okay, that might be a spirit of jealousy. There might be a spirit of envy there. It might be a spirit that ain't got nothing to do with you. It may be something that was from their past, but you are just the person, the culprit, the person getting the offense, getting the bitterness, getting all of that. And in order to protect yourself, to have that shield around you, Thinking what's happening in the supernatural, being able to be so rooted in your relationship with God to where he gives you a perspective to see beyond what you see in the natural. A lot of times people are acting out because there's stuff going on in them and it's a spirit. 
It's a spirit. And the devil wants to kill, steal, kill, and destroy relationships. He wants to tear away. We, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And the second commandment is just as great to love thy neighbor as, as ourselves. So he wants us to separate. He wants us to be offended. He wants us to be bitter. He wants us to fight each other and take the attention off of him. And then verse 13, it says, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. So in order for us to resist, we have to put on this armor of God and, and being able to, and like I said, being able to understand that this is a spiritual fight. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. And that really will help you overcome unforgiveness because then you're looking at it like, okay, it's a spiritual issue. There's something spiritually going on. And the word says that we can't serve two masters. We can't serve our, we can't serve our spirit man and serve our flesh. So if someone is giving into their, <clears throat> oh God, <coughs> the enemy. Oof, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so if someone is giving into their natural self, their flesh, then yes, they're going to now be able to receive all the assignments of the enemy because they're not rooted in God. And so they're going to act out that spirit that's trying to overtake them. They are, they are being a slave to their sin. Um, and so it's important that if we have, and this is our word for next month, if we have compassion and understanding that everybody is still developing in their relationship with God, everybody's not aware of the spiritual tactics of the enemy and everyone is, does not know how to, like it said, draw their strength from God. And, and honestly, even though, even those of us who love God, we still find ourselves from time to time falling, you know, falling victim to this. But understanding that if, if we are not rooted in God, if we do not understand what's going on in the spiritual realm, we too can be used by the enemy to do his plan. But because we are in God, because we are abiding in him, because we understand that what we see in the natural, there's so much more happening in the supernatural and that these are spirits, principalities, rulers of dark areas that are trying to destroy relationships, trying to destroy who we are as children of God, trying to have us carry bitterness and offense in our heart. If we're not aware of that, then we're going to, we're going to be offended. We're going to not forgive, we're not going to be able to overcome. And I hope that, I hope that that makes sense. I'm hope that I, I really wanted to, um, to look at that and, and bring that to life. That perspective is really important. And I love the scripture because it gives us that perspective. And then another thing that we can draw from the scripture, there's so much, but another thing we can draw from the scripture is to pray. How do you overcome? So having that, I want to overcome you can do it by praying for the person who has offended you. Praying for that person. This is powerful because what happens when you are truly praying for that person? You're walking in love. Really, you really are. 
And I believe that God will supernaturally give us perspective as we pray. Um, and there's a scripture I wanted us to look at, John 15. John 15 and starting at verse 7. And it reads, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if you are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciple. So I want us to zone in on my father, verse eight. My father is glorified and honored by this. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not verse eight, verse seven. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this. He wants, so if we are asking, Lord, I want to overcome forgiveness, it honors him because we're, we're praying a prayer that lines up with him, lines up with his word, lines up with his heart. And so understanding, again, the spiritual things that's happening, there's a root. I always believe that there's a root for every action and understanding that it's not the person, but it's a spirit and then praying for that person and asking God to bless them, asking God to help them see, asking God to forgive them, asking God to help you forgive. He will honor that. He will honor that. And you're doing it because you're remaining in him. It says that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done. So that is how you overcome forgiveness. And I, I can say, I'm going to say it boldly. I don't care what you have faced. I don't care what sin has been done against you. I don't care what words have been said against you. If you remain in God and you ask him to help you forgive, it will be done. Now, how fast will it be done? That really depends on how bad you got that I want to. Your, your desire, it really depends on that. Because if you really want to forgive, then you're going to be determined that I'm not going to look at the person. I'm going to look at the sin. I believe something supernaturally happens with that. When you decide that I'm, I'm going to love the person, but I don't like that sin and I'm going to pray for that sin, but I'm going to love that person. I believe something supernaturally happens in our hearts. I really do believe that. Because now your perspective, your mind has shifted and now you're praying for them. God is going to honor that. It glorifies him and it honors him. He is glorified and honored by this. He is glorified when we forgive. He is honored when we forgive. So we're doing it for him, not for ourselves. God's going to take care of us, y'all. He's going to take care of us. We don't have to do it for ourselves. We do it for him so that he can get the glory. And imagine how much, how much uh, hurt and pain that someone has done to you and how much love covers that and you be able to walk in that, how that shines such a light on who you serve, who you, who you worship, who you adore. That really shows the heart of God. Okay, so... 
I want to overcome forgiveness. So that's where forgiveness starts. Having that, I want to overcome unforgiveness. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and then I want us to look at Matthew 6, verse 12. And it says, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. I love that. Letting go of the wrong and the resentment. So they're wrong and your resentment or even their resentment, but letting it go and understanding again, back to the verse that we just read in Ephesians 6, that this is a spiritual thing that's happening and it's the devil's assignment. He's trying to throw arrows. He's trying to keep you bound. He's trying to keep them bound. And if we come together in perfect unity and fight against the spiritual darkness and not each other, then we can win. We can overcome. Okay, this is good. All right. Um, another forgiveness, um, a, a way to have forgiveness, I want to... Having that, I want to love God. I want to love God. I believe this is the strongest I want to that you have to have. It's the strongest. Because we talked about last month how our love has to be connected to the source. God is our source. And so in order to walk in anything, uh, to walk in forgiveness, to walk in your spiritual giftings, to walk in humility, to walk in compassion, to walk in obedience, whatever it is, you have to first have that I want to love God. We're going to look at John verse 14. I want to love God. Verse 14, and we're going to start at chapter uh, verse, I think that says 21. I can't tell if that says 21 or 27. Okay. Um, the person, so yeah, 21. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Oh my God. I love that one more time. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Now let's just sit on that. So the one, the person who has my commandments in his word, keeps his commandments, really loves me. So if I really want to love God, I have to read his word and keep his word, not just be a hearer of his word, but be a doer of his word. And then it says, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal, this is Jesus talking, um, I will love him and reveal myself to him. He reveals himself to us. See, this is a beautiful thing about it. this is this is you know this is good news that we all we have to do is love God read his word 
really believe. I mean, let's just go ahead and simplify. All we have to do is really believe. And when we believe because of the way that he has created us, we're going to want to know what he says. So we're going to read his word. And when we read his word, because we are in him, we are going to desire to do his word. And when we desire to do his word, he, not I, not us, he is going to reveal himself to us. God is going to love us. We will be loved by the father, Christ and, and I and I will love him and reveal, I mean, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. He will make himself real to us. He will do it by his Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is make a decision in our mind. Have the I want to love God. And that, my sisters, requires us to believe in him. Believe in him. I mean, I think about just in any relationship, in marriage, with our children, with our with our friends. You know, if we say that we love somebody, but we don't believe in them, I don't think those two really go together. I love you, but I don't believe in you. Well, then I really don't think you love me. You know, like I love you and I believe in you. I believe in who you are. I believe in what you can do. I believe in what you say because I love you. I mean, come on, let's think about, you know, puppy love, you know, young love. It's like, oh, I love him so much. He just is so sweet. Everything he does is perfect. How he brushes his teeth is perfect. I mean, you think everything is just, you know, everything he says, everything he says is so real. Like he tells me the truth. Okay. But that's human love. But with God, everything he says is real. Everything he does is perfect. And we have to believe in him and love him so that I want to love him. Then we keep his commandments and he tells us to forgive. He tells us to love one another. So we will do that. But in order for us to be able to do the forgiving, we have to really love him. And this should have been number one. I talked about it actually at number one, but this really is it. This is the best. I want to love God. I want to please my daddy. I want to make him smile. That has to be more important than anything anything more important than us looking a certain way or, you know, and understanding that he is going to fulfill his promise. He is going to reveal himself to us. And when he, the more he reveals himself to us, the more our love is going to grow for him, the more confidence we're going to have, the more boldly we're going to walk, the more boldly we're going to talk, the more boldly we're going to love and be able to withstand everything and endure everything that comes against us. Okay. So that is that I love, I love this one. Obviously I love it. Obviously I feel like it's the most important I want to. Um, but yes, so I want to love God. Okay. And the last I want to, and then we're going to go into the, I don't want to's. I hope this doesn't go too long. Um, the last I want to, as it pertains to forgiveness is I want to be free. I want to be free. Now, based off the last scripture, we will be free because he's going to continue to reveal himself to us. But I want us to look at James 1, James 1, starting at verse 19. 
and it reads, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Stop. So if we care and love God, if we have that, I want to love God, I want to please God, then we know that our human anger does not produce righteousness, produce the righteousness that God desires. So we are not pleasing him when we walk in human anger. And anger and forgiveness, they go really close together. I'm not saying they're like perfectly united, but it's kind of, if you're angry with somebody, it, it really uh, can be hard for you to forgive them, depending on how long you stay angry. But anyway, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. All right, verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in our hearts for it has the power to save our souls. Okay, so what is this saying? When we accept what God is saying, and remember last week we talked about, uh, uh, there was uh, da, 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 Hebrews 10, I wanna say 10, where he says, let me see if I can find it, where he says, I have planted my, uh, I put my laws in their hearts and on their minds. And we read that. I don't want to spend too much time looking for it. But um, go back to last week's Bible study. I think it's in Hebrews 10 where he says that. But so he says, if we humbly accept God's word that has been planted in our hearts. So it's in our hearts. We talked about our heart being, and this was, I think in week two, our hearts being the seat of our soul for it has the power to save our souls. Why is that important? Unforgiveness flows out of our soul. It really does because our souls need to be sanctified. When we receive Christ and when we receive um, our forgiveness from him and are now put in right standing with God, our spirits are pure. Our spirits are holy, but our souls are still a hot mess. So being offended, being bitter, being angry, that stuff is still in our souls. And it's not our fault. It was really the fall of Adam. Okay. That's really where it came from. Um, and then there's stuff that we've walked through as children and it's in our lives and life has bought on stuff relationships that have bought on stuff that has been implanted in our soul. But guess what else is there? God's word. He has, he has put his laws on our hearts and on our minds. And if we humbly accept God's word as truth, accept God's word is this is the only thing I'm going to follow. Not my feelings, not my way of thinking. I'm going to follow God. It has the power to save, to sanctify, to purify our souls. And we know that it's a process, but it has the power to do it. I just had to spend some time on that because that is good. That is good. That right there, whew, I could raise an offering on that. No, I'm just playing. No, seriously, that is so important to understand God's word has the power to save our souls. 
And that means that all this hurt and bitterness and situations, pain, shame, guilt, all those things that are trying to reside in us as children of God, it can't when we make the word of God the most important thing, we humbly accept it and we will see our souls be sanctified, our souls be saved. Okay, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. And we just talked about this. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. So that's important. So, okay, now we know that the power of God, I mean, the word of God has the power to save our souls. We know that. But now what part do we play in that? We have to not just listen to the word, but we have to do what it says. Otherwise, you're not going to see any result. You're still going to be carrying this unforgiveness in your heart. For if you, verse 23, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror and you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, remember we said that I want to be set free. So if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, oh, don't forget. We are such a forgetful people. Oh my goodness. This is why we have to meditate on the word of God day and night, night and day. We have to keep it in front of our face so that we don't forget. Because if you only... If you've been on this earth however long and you only look at yourself one time, you're not going to know what you look like. You're going to forget. So reading God's word continuously is going to remind us what it says is going to help us be able to obey it and we're going to be set free. Okay, so um, do what it says. Don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. He will bless you. Verse, uh, let me keep going. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, there it is. So pure and genuine religious religion in the sight of God is to care and refuse to let the world corrupt you. Refuse to let the spiritual darkness and principalities corrupt you. Refuse to allow bitterness, offense, all of that corrupt you. Refusing to in God's sight that's true religion. And back to our last point, when you have that, I want to love God, and you know that this is how God sees that you're going to not just be hearers of his word, but you're going to do his word. You're going to read his word so that you don't forget his word so that you can please your father. Ah, all right. Okay, here we go. Second part. I hope this isn't too long. Now, now we're going to go into the forgiveness starts with forgiveness starts with the I don't want to. So we have our I want to just a short review. So I want to know him. I want to belong to him. I want to be forgiven. 
I want to willingly forgive. I want to overcome over unforgiveness that's been in me. I want to love God and I want to be free. Okay. All right, here we go. So forgiveness also starts with a, I don't want to. And my first one is, I don't want to be led astray. You have to have these, these um, should be convictions for you. I don't want to be led astray. And don't think that you can't be. You always have to stay on guard. You always have to be mindful that the, there is a devil who, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So don't think that, oh, ain't nothing trying to come for me. Boo, he trying to come for you. Okay. So, but when we have that conviction that I don't want to be led astray, then I believe that we can walk in forgiveness. First John three and seven. First John three and seven says little children, believers, dear ones. So he's talking to us. Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous just as he is righteous. So don't be, you have to have that. I don't want to be led astray. And in order for me to not be led astray, I have to practice righteousness. I have to strive to live an honorable life in private as well as public. I have to want to forgive. I have to want that so that I don't be led astray. I need to conform to God's precepts and that be the number one thing. So that's, that's our first, I don't want to be led astray. Second, I don't want to be separated from God. And this is good. This is important. First John three and eight, which we're just going to go right down. The one who practices sins, sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So when you have that, I don't want to be separated from God. And you know that walking in unforgiveness separates me from God. Then that should be enough to say, no, I can't hold this. I can't hold this. I'm not going to be separated from God. I love God too much. I want to stay in relationship with my daddy. I ain't going to let nobody separate me from God. And that's so important because it says that um, the one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him, offending him, offending God by acts of disobedience. So he tells us, he tells us to forgive, but I'm not going to forgive because I want to hold on to this indifference or rebellion. I ain't going to do it. I don't care what nobody tells me. This is my business. This is my hurt. And I'm holding on to it. It ain't happened to you. It happened to me. Okay. You, but when God says he wants us to forgive, you doing that is separating you from God. It's not helping your relationship with him. It's making you further away from him. And that should be important that you do not want to be separated from God at all. 
It's like my, it's like, we're his children. And most children, they don't want to be separated, especially little kids. They, I mean, separation anxiety. They don't want to be separate. I don't know you. Don't hold me. Don't touch me. Uh-uh. Because you taking me away from my mama. No. You know, I used to work in childcare and babies would fall out. I mean, just completely out because they were being separated from their parent. Well, we should be the same way. I am not going to let anything separate me from God. I'm not going to let it. I'm not. Okay. And there is a scripture that says nothing can separate us from the love of God, from the love of God. So if we are abiding in him, then nothing's going to separate us from him. But if we're choosing to not abide in him and we're choosing to be abiding in our situations and our pains and our guilt and our hurts and our shames and our offense and all these other things that are not producing goodness in us. If we're choosing to abide in that, we will be separated from God. And so I want us to look at, so the next one, I don't want to nurture, and this is big. I do not want to nurture my hurt and my pain. This also causes separation from God. I want us to look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, starting at verse 15. Um, oh, actually, I'm gonna, I know we already read 14, but I want to go ahead and read 14 and 15 together. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Okay, now listen to this. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that is that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your father will not forgive your trespasses. Oh my goodness. And I have asterisks around this because this, this is important. I don't want to nurture my hurt. What does it say? Nurturing your hurt and my anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. So that goes back to the second. I don't want to be separated from God. When I choose, and this is a choice, and this is what I'm saying. If you are at this place that I, I'm done, okay. I, we think that we're doing ourselves good when we're nurturing our hurt. How do you nurture your hurt? How do you nurture uh, your anger? Dwelling. I'm going to dwell on that thing. I'm going to think on that thing over and over and over again. And we know that whatever you think is going to manifest itself. So now you have the emotion of it. And I think, honestly, I think this is where a lot of people get trapped because now you can feel, especially if you're an emotional person, that emotion that comes with nurturing your hurt and your pain, it can be comforting to a lot of people. But God, he doesn't want that to, he doesn't want that to comfort you. He wants to be your comfort. He, that, that thing, that nurturing your hurt and your pain is interfering with God being able to come in and nurture you for him to be able to restore, for him to be able to heal, for him to be able to bring you back to life and give you the joy and the love and that compassion that you used to walk in. He wants to do that. But if you're choosing to nurture your hurt and your pain, he can't, he can't. Because that's not God. It's not his character. He only dwells in pureness and holiness. And that's not pure and that's, that's not holy because you're dwelling. First of all, you're dwelling and nurturing this hurt and this pain 
And that means probably that the word of God isn't doing that. You need to be nurturing and, and feeding on God's word, but you're nurturing and you're feeding on your hurt and your pain and your past. And I can't believe he said that. Why did she do that to me? Why did they act this way? They never, they never, they never, they don't, they can't, I will not. You just got all this in your head. This happened to me, you know, even replaying our stories. This happened to me. When this happened to me, why this happened to me, how could this happen to me? And then a lot of people are blaming God and God's like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you doing this is interfering with me being able to come in and show you who I am. So read my word, do my word, obey my word, continuously remind yourself of my word and you will see me take that. He takes it away. He removes it. Because now you're not separated from him and he does the work. He shows himself to us. He shows us who he is and how powerful he is and how much of a healer is he um, that he is and a restorer that he is. He does that. But we have to choose that I don't want to no longer nurture my hurt, nurture my pain and be separated from my God. And that, uh, there's power in that. There's power. I pray today that those who are listening, that that becomes your, I don't want to, I don't want to nurture and nurture my hurt and my pain any longer because right. It says nurturing your hurt and pain with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. Then your father will not forgive your trespasses. This is Jesus. This was his teaching in Matthew. So we have to believe that. And we don't want that to be, I don't want that to be your situation. I don't want that to be my situation. I don't want anything to interfere with my relationship with God. I want to be close to him. I, You know, we're going to read a scripture before we close where it says that thinking about what Jesus has done, when you start to think about it as being common, that's dangerous. So Jesus put us in this right relationship with God. And he's like, here, get your fullness salvation, sozo, wholeness, get it from, get it from, now you can get it from God. You're in right standing. I put you here. He can restore you. His spirit can make you new. And you're like, nah, I'm still going to hold on to my, to my hurt and my pain. I'm still going to nurture it. Then we're, we're pretty much saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, but I'm going to go ahead and keep doing what I'm doing. And I know that's not our heart, but we do. That's really what we're saying when we're choosing to nurture us looking all up in here. Thanks God. I appreciate you, but I'm just going to go ahead and yeah, I know you're there and all, but I'm going to go ahead and just nurture my hurt, nurture my pain. And you are just missing out on this beautiful relationship with the father. You're missing out on it. Okay. Um, another, I don't want to is I don't want to be in bondage. We're going to look at Colossians three. I love Colossians three. This, this, uh, book, really was a big part of me getting saved. Um, and we're going to read out the NLT starting at verse seven. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of now that you're right standing with God. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. 
for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. We talked about that earlier and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature, your put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. So knowing your God, Christ, you've repented. He's, he's coming to your life. He puts you in right relationship with God and right standing with God. Now you, he has given you a new nature, right? You can choose this new nature because you are no longer a slave to sin. It's still choice. So you choose to put on this new nature and, and now you're going to be renewed and learn to know your daddy and become like him. And so you've got to say, I don't want to be in bondage anymore. Bondage to what? I don't want to be in bondage to anger, rage, malice, uh, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. I don't want to be in bondage to that anymore. I want to be made new. That has to become your, I don't want to be in bondage. I want to be made new. All right. This one, this next one, this is really important. I have a few scriptures. Um, I know this is a little long, but I have to get this out. This one is huge. I don't want to have a bitter soul. Mm. All right. So we're going to look at first. I want to jump to Job real quick. Uh, this scripture is it stuck out to me um let's see here i need to get into the all right job uh 21 verse 25 and i'm going to read this out of the amplified and it says whereas another dies with a bitter soul never even tasting pleasure or good fortune so when you die with a bitter soul you never taste pleasure or good fortune. And we don't want to die with the bitter soul. So let's look at some of these scriptures that can help us with this. We're going to go to Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Starting at verse 27. This is really important. With bitterness, see what happens when you decide to not, when you just, okay, when you do decide to nurture your hurt and your anger, not only are you now not being able to have uh, God, you know, it interferes with your relationship with God and God can't come in, but now it turns into something big, bitterness. It turns into bitterness. When you decide to hold on to your unforgiveness, when you decide to hold on to your hurts and hold on to your anger, this is what happens. And this is really important. Um, okay, we're going to start. So Ephesians 4 verse 27, and it reads, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger. So we just talked about that or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. So what is this saying? Holding a grudge, nurturing anger harboring resentment cultivates bitterness it will cultivate cultivate bitterness 
And bitterness, ooh, that thing is a root and it's a big root and it takes a lot to get that thing uprooted. Now, when you decide to abide in God, then what does it say? Those dead branches will fall off and good fruit will now be developed in you. But if you are not aware of, of bitterness and it, this thing, you don't even know it, it's, it cultivates. So that means that it's alive and that it's, it grows. And a lot of times you don't know that it's truly growing until it's too late. Okay. Another scripture, we're going to stay in Ephesians 4, 30, and we're going to move down to 31. Um, and I'm trying to see where I'm supposed to go to 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse and and malevolence. Did I say that right? Malevolence. Yes. Um, be kind and help helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ has forgave you. Okay. So this is good. I love this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding, and slander be put away from you. Why? Because all this cultivates bitterness. It all, it all cultivates bitterness and it, it cultivates unforgiveness. It's just nasty. It's wicked. And um, then it says all spitefulness, verbal abuse, all these things, um, um, man, uh, malevolence. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. That means bitterness. So, and, and so what do you do with that? You be kind, you're helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another. That's how, now, if you live, if you're like, well, that's just, I mean, that's my culture. You know, we, we, we got animosity. We are resentful towards each other. I just live in a house where it's just a whole lot of strife. Whatever your situation is, it's telling you that that has to, you can overcome that by forgiving one another, but you have to have that. I don't want to have a bitter soul. Because that's what a bitter soul does. It has animosity. It keeps resentment. It's strifeful. It has strife. It's always finding something wrong. My goodness. Like, where's the joy in that? And so when you carry that, it's going to turn into bitterness. And that's going to be your way of life. So all those other characteristics about kindness, humility, gentleness, long-suffering, you're replacing it, replacing it with animosity, resentfulment, or resentment, strife, fault finding, verbal abuse, spitefulness, bitterness. Choose which one you want. I don't want to be known for this. I've been here before, but it doesn't feel good, you know, and, and it really has to become, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking judgment. 
I, I can only speak for myself. I remember falling on my knees several times and saying, God, I don't want to fight. I don't want to have this resentment. I don't want to have this hurt. And so just having that, I don't want to, and, and allowing that to push you more into God's word so that you can be kind, so that you can help one another. You can have compassion. And I cannot wait for us to talk about that. But you can have, it says tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, you know, and freely and readily forgiving just as God in Christ also forgave you. And we talked about how that honors him, that glorifies him. Okay. All right. Um, I have uh, one more, two. Well, no, hold on. Let me just keep going. Okay. Another scripture I want to give you. Bitterness was important. I felt like I need to give you guys some tools, some scriptures, um, about bitterness because I know this is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, okay. So verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble and by it many be defiled. And I want to see what that says in the NLT. Um, verse 15 again, Hebrews 12, 15. Look after each other so that no, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Oh, I told y'all this root is big, so big that it corrupts other people. And you know, you know, there's certain people, it's like, they just look, they just, they just angry. They, they just are negative and, you know, and you think, oh, that's just who they are. No, no. A root of bitterness got in there. Honestly, it was a, it was a poisonous root and what it does, it says poisonous. It grows and it troubles them and it troubles many others. It corrupts many. This is so big. And, and from that, then acts of sin now flows from that person and they're offending you. I mean, they're just spitting out stuff and it hurts people and it corrupts them. And, you know, they're bleeding out onto other people. And now you got other people like, you know, I don't like her. And now they dealing with unforgiveness. It's just nasty. It's toxic. If we can understand and look at ourselves, God, if there's any root of bitterness in me, take it out. I don't want to have a bitter soul. I believe like the, you know, I want to, I want to love God. That was the most important one in my opinion. In my opinion, this is the most important. I don't want to, I don't want to have a bitter soul. Why? Because it's a poisonous root and it grows up to trouble, not just me, but it also corrupts many. And I don't want to be that. Okay. So I wanted to give you those scriptures again, just, just for this Ephesians 4 and 27, Ephesians 4 and 31, and if, um, in Hebrews 12 and 15, those are good scriptures to meditate on. If you struggle in the area of bitterness, but you really desire to want to walk in forgiveness, you gotta, you gotta look at this and you have to, and you also forgive yourself. If you carrying bitterness, forgive yourself. I, it says, look after each other so that no one fall fails to receive the grace of God. 
So I, I, I love how that's together because that pretty much tells me that God's grace is still sufficient. If you really want to be delivered from bitterness, his grace is there for you and show yourself grace. He still loves you. He wants you to be set free and delivered from bitterness. His grace is sufficient for you and you can walk in freedom and be set free from this poisonous root of bitterness because the Holy Spirit, I tell you what, it can come in and clean up a thing. You got to believe that. So don't feel like, well, this is just who I am. This is my personality. I'm just negative. I just see. No, go. I, if that's how you feel, you need to go and look at our January Bible study on identity because that is not who God has created you to be. Okay. All right. And our last, I don't want to, oh, I feel like I should have made this just a three-part series, but I only have this week and next week, and then we go into compassion. Um, but this is, this is also important. Actually, I don't know if this is, maybe this one is the most important. I don't want to have a hardened heart, a hardened heart. Okay. We are going to look at Matthew 15. Um, starting at verse eight and I have no idea what I didn't put if it was amplified or NLT. So we'll see. Okay. Um, I think it's amplified verse eight. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are heart, but their heart is far away from me, but in vain do they worship me. For they teach as doctrines the precepts of men. So having a hard heart means that you are hardening your heart towards God and you're worshiping him in vain, meaning that it's it's selfish for yourself. Um, and, and then it says, for they teach as doctrines the precepts of men. That's pleasing self. That's self-righteousness and all that. We talked about that before. Um, so I really want us the, the main scripture for, I do not want to have a hardened heart is Hebrews 10, um, starting at verse 25. And I want to read this both out of the NLT and the Amplified. And I appreciate you hanging with me, uh, today. I, I really felt like I needed to teach this and give these scriptures, because I have been in prayer for women all month long uh, for myself and for our sisters and just for freedom of, of holding on to hurts and anger and pain and just walking in true forgiveness. Okay, so Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect, uh, I wonder if I should start it. Let us, okay, I'm gonna go back a little bit. We're gonna start at verse 23. We, verse 23 takes us back from last week, okay? Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So we talked about that last week. That's forgiveness. When we forgive, it motivates people to acts of love and good works. 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, do not neglect meeting together. That's why we have our soul sister gatherings because we use those times to encourage one another in our topics. Okay, I just had to put that in there. All right, verse 26. 
Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. So all the things we talked about last week with Jesus on the cross and how he uh, took on our sins and put us in right relationship with God. So if we keep on sinning after knowing what Christ has done, then there is no longer any sacrifice that covers these sins. I think that's huge because I've heard like, oh, you can just keep on sinning and God's grace will cover you. But this scripture is saying if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Okay, 27. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which was, which has made us holy as if it were uncommon and unholy and have insulted the disdained, salted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. I'm going to keep going for where am I supposed to go? 37. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when all you owned was taken from you you accepted it with joy you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever so do not throw away this confident trust in the lord remember the great reward it brings you patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do god's will then you will then you will receive all that he has promised for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous one will, my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. That is so good. So there was so much in here. Um, but I love, I guess, oh, there's so much. Okay. So the heart and heart, I want us to look at 35. So do not throw away this confidence, confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. So having having your heart still wanting to please God, having your confidence in him and remembering the great reward that it brings. And then in verse 32, it says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. So don't let your heart become so hardened towards God that you forget how good he is, that you forget what he has done for you. Because once your heart becomes hardened, now you're going to walk in your own ways, the precepts of men. Now you're going to focus on self. Now you're going to forget all that God has done for you. Um, and, and it says, 
20 on 29 just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the son of god and treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy made us holy has if as if it were common and unholy your heart so what happens when your heart becomes hardened towards god this is what you do you look at it as common you don't take how serious uh, serious it was for Christ to die for us. We talked about it last week, how he fulfilled the requirements of the law. That is so big. And for us to harden our hearts towards that um, is, is dangerous. I was going to read it in the Amplified, but I, I think that's good. Um, okay, so let me review. So forgiveness also starts with the, I don't want to. I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to nurture my hurt and pain. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to have a bitter soul. And I don't want to have a hardened heart. And there was another scripture and I have no idea. I didn't write it down. Um, I know it's in Hebrews, Hebrews three, that talks about the hardened heart. I definitely want to read this. Um, I can find things a lot easier in my Bible, but I can read it better here. Okay. So Ephesians three in the amplified and it says, starting at verse seven, therefore, just as the Holy spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as your fathers did in the rebellion of Israel at Mirabah on the day of testing in the wilderness where your father fathers tried me by testing my forbearance and tolerance and saw my works for 40 years and found I stood their test. Therefore, I was angered with this generation and said, they also go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways nor become progressively better and more intimately acquainted with them. So I swore an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, the promised land. This, I'm so glad the Lord brought this back to me because this is what I mean by not wanting to have a hardened heart. Because what happens is um, you, it says that they did not progressively uh, become better and they did not become more intimately acquainted with God. That's what happens. They forgot. I mean, God bought them out and you know, they tested God and he would stand the test, obviously. Um, and they still was rebel. It was about rebellion in the rebellion. So if God is telling us forgive, if God is saying, love your brother and your sister, if God is saying, read my word, obey my word, if he's telling us to do that, but we're saying, yep, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to continue to nurture my hurt, nurture my pain. You're hardening your heart towards God and you're not going to be able to uh, become a better person. You're not going to be able to grow. Your new, your roots are not going to be grounded in him. They're going to be grounded in bitterness and offense. And those things are, you're going to die. Your spirit is going to die and you're not going to be, your soul is not going to be purified and sanctified. You're not going to be the woman of God that he has called you to be. You want to know who you are? Get in God. You want to be able to forgive? Get in God. You want to be able to love better? Get in God. Abide in God. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. 
this is coming to a close. I know I went long, um, but I, I'm not going to apologize any longer because I'm reading God's word. And I really do believe that these scriptures will be a help to you. Um, but we are going to talk about next week um, how to forgive part two. And we're going to really dwell in on and look in on this relationship with God and what really um, how it, it truly empowers us to be able to walk in forgiveness. We're going to be set free. And I I'm going to tell you this. If you I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. If you study these scriptures every day this week and really I mean, put them on flashcards if you have to write them on your mirror, whatever you have to do. But if you really abide in God's word and you read these scriptures, especially as it pertaining to wanting to know him, wanting to forgive, wanting to overcome forgiveness, wanting to love God, um, wanting to no longer be in bondage, no longer have bitterness. I believe that it will start to grow in you. And remember that we, when we're planted, a lot of stuff happens in the ground. So you may not see it, but don't get discouraged, my sister. Continue to stand in God. Continue to be encouraged. You will see it. The harvest will come. It will come. I promise you. And so show yourself some grace as you go through it. You know, you may say, okay, I am not going to walk in bitterness and a situation comes and you fail. Okay, get back up. You're still the righteousness of God. Get back up, get back in his word and keep going. Cause I tell you one day you gonna be like, oh my gosh, I didn't cuss her out. Oh my goodness. You know, you're gonna see it and you're gonna give all the glory to God because he is going to do the work.